You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh weekly. For more hot takes, go and give me a follow at Just Plain Zach. I always keep it funny and I always keep it cute. Even when you drag me in the comments, I still love it. If you're like me and you want to stay up to date with the latest reality tea, just go and give us a follow at No Filter with Zach on the Instagram, or you can always join our private Facebook group. The link is in the description below. I hope you are drinking some fizzy housewives inspired rose, packing a punch at 14% alcohol by volume, but less than a gram of sugar. Head over to nofilterwine.com to stock up. I designed five incredible cans with my pals at Elix all inspired by some of my favorite, most iconic housewives moments from Beverly Hills, Potomac, New York, New Jersey, and Atlanta. So go and stock up. This is your last chance to get our Potomac cans. They say drag me. They're purple and they're really cute. Get them for the reunion so you can watch Nikki drag Candace because I can't wait. I'm going to be stocked with some No Filter Rosé. So go to nofilterwine.com and stock up today. I'm so excited because today's guest is uh, just as problematic as I am, if not more some, and we're probably going to piss you the fuck off in today's episode of Hashtag No Filter, but we are getting your week started off right on the right foot. Please welcome, from the unfilter pop, sorry, from the unpopular podcast, please welcome Mr. Jacques Peterson. Hey, thanks for having me back. I mean, I am unfiltered too. So I feel like we get our things. You're like no filter. I'm unpopular. They kind of go together. <laughs> they do. We're the perfect, we're, we're, we're the PB and the J on a gluten-free toast here in Los Angeles. Yeah, we've been recording a lot lately together. I love it. Like you've come on my show. I've been on your show. You were on my Patreon. We're just like going there. People love when we collab though. Somebody today in my DMs is like, are you doing, is Jacques coming on your show? I'm like, yes, Jacques is coming on my show. And they're like, when? I'm like, Monday. And they're like, oh my God, I can't wait. I'm like, well, I just did his fucking Patreon. So everybody needs to go and subscribe to the unpopular Patreon so that you get our very unfiltered episode. What we taped like for 90 minutes. People loved that. That was like, we didn't have to worry about, I mean, we're still pretty unfiltered anyway on the main shows, but like we could really go there on the Patreon. So that was good. No, I agree. I I think that that was a fun convo. Um, yeah, I think it was good. Everybody needs to go and, and subscribe to your Patreon. Okay, before we dive into all of the hot topics that'll piss people off later, I just want to know, how would you rate the Beverly Hills reunion? It finished last week. We got all four parts. You got to digest all of them by now. What was your overall rating of all four collectively on a scale of one to ten? Oh. All four, I, it goes down a few points if I'm doing all four, just because there was that filler episode, mm. I think part three. We part didn't three. need the whole Kathy yeah. thing. I know yeah. people are like, we love Kathy, but it's like, it was the Erica show. That's what we wanted to see. We also wanted to see the Lisa Rinna and Garcelle stuff, which I love that they gave us that right at the start because that was like pretty fucking juicy. But mm-hmm. it was incredible. I mean, part four, I was like blown away watching Erica. I really... I was really team Erica and then seeing her just like body everyone on stage. I mean, I know everyone has a different interpretation of it. You know, it it's so strange where we are with the Erica thing, because I feel like at this point, unless you're delusional, like you kind of know that she's not guilty of anything at this point. So we're just like tone policing her. So it's like, yeah, you either like don't like that she yelled at the reunion or you fucking loved it. Like I did. So yeah. I thought it was great. See, my thing is it's like, is her behavior great? 
No, her behavior is tone deaf and tactless. And yes, she, you know, is very aggressive towards the women. In real life, we don't like that. On a reality show, it's fucking great. In the world of, you know, the 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 law, is she guilty based off of everything she's revealed? What is she guilty of? I even put a poll or not a poll, but one of those question thingies on my Instagram. And I'm like, okay, I paid attention to all four parts of the reunion. So if any dumb bitches out there have questions for Erica still, please send me your questions because since I paid attention and I've studied this, I'll be happy to answer them for you. And there were maybe like two solid, like good questions that were mainly in relation to like, they want to know how she actually, um, you know, set the track work for how she was able to leave Tom. And like, they want to know what that plan was. I'm like, you know what? That's a legitimate question. And at the reunion, she said, I legally can't answer that. So I'll give you that. That was a real legit question. But most of the responses were line isn't answering the questions or what about the snow? And I'm just like, what the fuck? If you give a shit about the victims, the snow in Pasadena doesn't matter. My family lives in Pasadena. I live in Los Angeles. I can say it snows in like so many people want to be like, it doesn't snow. It fucking snows in Pasadena. Does it snow for long? No, maybe it snows for like four hours on very rare occasion. Every once in, in a few years, it does snow very lightly, but it gets cold. Like it hails more than anything, but it is possible. And in the grand scheme of things does the snow matter no and some people are like well it goes to say that she you know it it proves whether or not she's a liar and I'm like okay well first of all I already delivered all the news articles that prove that it was snowing that week in Los Angeles so now you know she's not a liar can we move on from the fucking snow because there are plenty of other players there's Tom Latin David Lira Keith Griffin Gavin Newsom the California State Bar there are pl- there's a list of other people and talking points that we should be discussing over the snow well I'm that's where I'm moving now uh on my next episode actually I'm going to drop I'm going to talk about some of the Gavin Newsom stuff and everything because it's like for me this part four of the reunion it was chapter closed and look I loved everything about what Erica did I didn't think that her behavior was bad at all I thought it was fucking amazing I would react like that if I was being wrongfully accused of something that's my opinion I know people don't agree with me yeah do you think that she was a bully or whatever good for you but I'm just like it's done like we've sorted it out we've closed the chapter yeah we're moving on if you already liked erica you're gonna keep liking her like me if you hate her and you think she's guilty you're still gonna or you know you think she's wrong whatever that's where you're gonna sit so i'm like that's done now i just want to find out okay what connect what political connections did tom girardi have because yeah i had mentioned that at the beginning i think when you the first time maybe you came on my podcast i had said i either said it to you or i said it to ryan bailey i can't remember but i just said housewife and the hustler to me wasn't that interesting because I'm not that interested in like who paid for Erica's hair in a music video. I want like the hustler and the politician or whatever. Like yeah. I want to know like the power the big players story, who- the real scandal. Yeah. And I had, I was thinking about that at the beginning. And then it was just that the season picked up and it just became all about Erica. And then I ended up like sparring with the fans all the time. Cause then I started defending Erica that I forgot about that part of it. And now that the reunion's over and I went and read that, you know how they did that new LA times article yeah. with the writers behind the original LA times article. And they mentioned some of the stuff about the political connections and, yeah. And all of that. And I'm like, that's what I want to fucking know. Like, that's where the juice is. It doesn't really matter about 
who paid for Erica's like budget of the music video. Yeah, I want to get into the real scandal of like how was he able to get because the reality is he was doing this well before he married Erica. When she became keen to what he was doing doesn't really matter because it's so minuscule in the grand timeline of what he was doing and how he was able to get away with it. I've done so many deep dives. So when I have people coming in my DMs or in the comments that are like, oh, Erica's guilty. I'm just like, fuck off. Like I've actually, like I can pat myself on the back and know that I've done the real research. I'm not Mary from Maryland just watching Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and doesn't like Erica because of her behavior and is, is crucifying her for that. I've said it. Her behavior isn't great in real terms. You know what I mean? As a, as a character on a reality show, as a reality TV villain, yes, it's what we all, you know, live for because it deliver. we have the, or what? Or what? If you, you call me a liar again, I'm coming for you. We have so many of those great moments in reality TV world, but like, you know, when it comes to the actual embezzlement scandal, there are 20 other people that have money that actually profited off of this, that actually were aware what was going on and turned the other cheek because they were getting money from it. Those are the people that should be paying up that 25 million that they're coming after Erica for. Well, you were definitely vindicated a lot at the reunion and not to come on here and kiss your ass, but so I've been following the Erica thing, but I wasn't getting into the legal stuff of it just because I'm not like a true crime junkie. Like, I don't really care. Like, I like analyzing parts of uh, Beverly Hills, but the legal thing just is not that interesting to me. I know that everyone else was obsessed with it, but I was just in my head, I'm like, how is she, why is everyone saying she's guilty and I've never seen one shred of proof? So I'm like, you know what? I know that Zach's doing the deep dives. I know that Zach's having the legal experts and the the bankruptcy people and everything on his pod. And I'm like, I'm going to have Zach on. I'm going to ask Zach all of the questions that I have, which were about, okay, well, people are saying this about her, you know, with the money being transferred into EJ Global and the 20 million and the credit cards and all of that. And I asked you all those questions. You explained it and I... I was like, that makes sense to me. And then by part four of the reunion, they asked Erica a lot of the same questions and she gave the explanations that you had given on my podcast like two months ago. And I'm like, okay, yes, so this is what it was the whole fucking time. And the other part of this as well is that people are kind of forgetting what makes a good show, like you said, because it's like whether you think Erica's a horrible person or not, like I like Erica, but I get that people kind of despise her. That's fine. But she was fucking phenomenal this season. And she actually needed to be because she wasn't giving us great stuff the last couple seasons. She was way too, holding back way too much. Like there's only so far you can go on your gimmick of, um, you know, I've got my gaze and I'm I'm performing and, you know, my fashion. You can only go so far with that. So we got so much from her in terms of drama, in terms of vulnerability across the board. And it was fucking amazing television. When I was watching that part four of the reunion, I was like, I feel like I'm watching like a soap opera, like yeah. like a, the, the best soap opera ever. Like I feel like I'm watching a modern dynasty. It's like incredible. So, yeah. you know, we need to appreciate what people, even if they're unlikable, what they bring to the show. Like even on New York, sorry to keep going, but I was like a big defender of uh, Leah last season and also like Ramona. I think she's great. People get so upset about them, but I'm like, Leah and Ramona were like fucking doing the heavy lifting on these shows. Like, yeah. even if you dislike them as a person, they're giving us a fucking show. No, so I appreciate remember, that. 
I remember thinking that in this most recent episode, in this most recent season of New York, I'm like, this was a terrible season. But had we not had Leah and Ramona, it would have really been a terrible season. We'll get into New York shortly, but I just want to say when it comes to Beverly Hills, just to wrap this up, like... I think too many people went into the reunion expecting Erica to either come off as likable, which was an impossible standard to set, or to come off as incriminating herself, you know, wanting to say, I knew everything and Tom told me everything. And and obviously that was never going to happen. One, because that's not the truth. And two, because she couldn't legally say that even if it was the truth. And the part that's so frustrating for me, because as you said, I came on your show and I revealed everything that we got in part four already because I've done the heavy lifting. But it's like, and one thing that I've never even said on this show until now is I've had so many people that I've talked to not just on my show, but behind the scenes. Some of these reporters that that are getting praised in 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 the news and the media, I've had intimate one-on-one conversations with them. The victims, I've had intimate conversations with them. And the other thing is it's like I've never been a fan of Erica's prior. I mean, prior to this season, I didn't listen to her music or have any desire to read her book. Like I was never an Erica fan or Erica stan. So my position has never been to come into this to defend Erica. I've done all of the heavy lifting behind the scenes, you know, when everyone's like, how come we can't raise money for the victims now? How come she doesn't do a music fundraiser? I've asked all of those questions. I've talked to the lawyers. I've talked to the victims. I've tried to arrange all of that behind the scenes, which is why I know there's a reason all of that stuff hasn't happened is because there are so many legalities and loopholes that have to be that have to we have to jump through first in order to get to that point. Like this is months, many months and possibly years before we can even reach that level. You know, would I love to see Erica do an It's Expensive to Be Me concert to benefit the victims? Sure. But as I've been saying, there's a whole process that needs to be done. There's a forensic accounting and there needs to be a broken down. That's why I loved at the fourth part of the reunion when Erica was like, why aren't we pulling in every single lawyer and secretary's salary at that at that law firm? Because if I'm being pulled into question, why aren't all of them being pulled into question? Because it's the same money. And before we determine who had stolen money, we need to figure out what the money went, like what the money was, who it was divided to, what percentage was entitled to Gerardi Keys, what percentage was technically stolen money, you know, and and where did that stole, quote unquote, stolen money go to in order to determine who is liable for paying that money back? Yeah, well, people like to give you a lot of shit, like, Zach, you're not a lawyer, you don't know anything. And it's like, well, you, everything you've been said kind of like months before came out at the reunion and matched up with what you had said. So you obviously got it fucking right. So, I mean, it's hard when, it's hard when you come out with the unpopular, I mean, that's why my show is unpopular. Yeah. When you come out with the unpopular take sometimes before people are ready for it. Yeah. Because you get that hate. You I get mean, that hate. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, you get it. You know what it's like. It's like. It's hard, though, because and I think we've even had these conversations like, you know, off of our shows of like, sometimes it's like it's so like you can't win for losing. And like, I know what I'm doing. I know that I have the unpopular opinion. I know I'm not following the fight. There are so many other podcasters and YouTubers that will rip apart Erica because it gets them cheap likes and many views. I don't need the cheap likes and many views. I would rather build my platform on integrity and take, you know, all of the trolls that come at me. Because at least I know that my work is being based on merit. I wish people understood. I I wish people understood more the game of like, 
I know that there are people out there they agree with that have the popular opinion, but they're like playing you because they're saying that because they know it's the popular thing and they're doing it for their clout and everything. Like it's not always because they believe it. They're going along with the crowd and especially me because I work in media and I've been around this and I've been around influencers and reality stars and I work in tabloids and stuff. Like I, I can spot a game. Like I can spot when people are like grifting or saying stuff for clout and, um, I, I understand why more people can't clock it, but I see it all the time. And now actually what I've been getting lately, and I'm getting this a lot on Twitter, is that I'm saying the unpopular thing for, for cloud, which I guess would yeah. make me stand out, but it's not. It's just, if anything, because I've had my show longer, I've just become more comfortable just saying whatever the fuck I want. But like, there's yeah. no, there's no act. I mean, yeah. It's just, I don't know. People think I have like people. People think you or I being fake or something. We're kind of like the real. We're doing the controversy for the attention. I've gotten that on Twitter too. I can tell you right now, the heartache and the mental headache of the shit that I get from people is not worth the, like I would rather go and bash Erica and get easy likes and cheap views and a million subscribers and a million five star, whatever, and go sign a deal with iHeartRadio tomorrow. I would rather do that because that's the easier thing to do, but it's not true to my nature. It's not true to who I am. So unfortunately I have to sit in the mud and take the slingings and take the beatings on Twitter, even though I've gotten that recently, people are like, oh, you're just saying this because you want to be controversial because it gets you more attention. I'm like, no, trust me. Homeboy over there on his podcast, you know, is saying his bullshit and he's doing it because it's making him popular. Trust me, his popularity is 10 times greater than mine. And he signed his little network deal because of his opinion that might not even be true to what he really knows in his heart. Yeah. And it's not, it's not nice getting that backlash. Like it does hurt. I mean, I, so what I get all the time, the main thing is I always get that I'm a racist constantly because I was like never a fan of Ebony kind of quite, I mean, I feel like a lot of people kind of, they've seen through Ebony at this point, but I was doing it like early on. So I get that. And it's like, no, it's not nice to go on Twitter every day and have you're a fucking racist like over and over, but it's, you know, and I was scared to sort of, sometimes I was scared to criticize someone like Ebony on a show because I knew that it was coming, but I'm just, you know, at some point though, you've just got to be like, this is my truth. This is how I feel about, I'm going to say it and I'm going to get the backlash for it. And I don't fucking care. And you kind of just have to like put it aside. Like I've learned to do that now, even with the, I get the Erica people, like the, um, the Erica haters attacking me as well. And now I kind of just like troll them back or I ignore it. Cause you just yeah. gotta, you kind of gotta just put up a wall because it's a lot to get yeah. that coming then, at you. The hard part is when you troll them back, then you're an asshole. And they're like, oh, how dare you? How dare you, you know, say this back to me? I'm like, why is it you get to be an asshole to me? I get like so much shit in my DMs and messages and comments from people. And the one time I respond with like a snarky comment back, then it's like, oh, you're so rude. And I'm like, what? What? I end up empathizing a lot as well with the kind of villainous housewives that end up getting the hate like the Lisa Rinners and the Erica's and like Leah, especially last season in New York. Cause that was like so full on for her because I just think, you know, these people are making a show. They're making an entertaining show. Everyone has a good season. Everyone has a bad season. And the fandom is so full on. And like, yeah. I put myself in that category. Cause obviously I go on my podcast and I come after people I don't like as well. So it's yeah. like, I'm one of them, but it's not easy to be the person that's on the no. receiving end of that at a time. Like I imagine like 
what is it like being a Leah or a Leanne Locken or someone that's had that really bad season and you've gone from being like maybe a fan favorite to just having waves and waves of hate on you. I mean, Lisa Rinna, fuck, like she cops it so hard all the time and she's given us almost like if you look at the last five seasons or something in Beverly Hills she's probably fucking given us the most like she's given us all the drama and the storylines and she's really helped make it a sensational show Teddy as well I'm a big Teddy defender (laughs) and people hate Teddy people despise Teddy the trolling that she gets is Teddy might be actually the most trolled housewife I think maybe like more than Leah and Rinna um but Teddy came in and asked those hard questions. I know you guys didn't like it, but she brought up things that needed to be brought up for the show. And if she hadn't been on those seasons, we might not have got some of the juicy storylines that we had. So you kind of got to, you have to do, you've got to appreciate some of these people yeah. a bit more. Because if if you don't have them, then it's a boring season and nobody wants to watch them. And then if you do have them, then it's like, oh, I hate them because they're, you know, whatever. And it's like, you can't win for losing. And it's hard, though, because I, I think we've had this conversation, too, of like, I don't know how some of these stars put themselves out there and get that backlash, because I know what it's like for like you and I, where it's like this teeny tiny fraction. And yeah. it weighs on our mental health sometimes that I'm like, I couldn't imagine being a housewife and getting some of that. And a lot of like a lot of it comes from like, I know I did a live the other night and this bitch comes in here and she's like talking shit in the live comments and I'm just like what the fuck are you doing here and I'm sparring with her back and forth and in my the back of my head I'm like what am I doing like this bitch isn't worth my time but then the next morning after the live came out everyone's like are you okay you seemed really annoyed you seemed really agitated I'm like no you guys I'm a fucking human being and sometimes a troll just weighs on you and they're like have you had a bad week have you been too busy (laughs) or I talked about how like I injured my tailbone and they're like has that been like affecting your behavior i'm like no guys i'm a human being and sometimes the negativity just like it weighs on your soul and when you have some michelle come into your comments that has no good interest but just wants to clock in talk some shit and then can clock out and go to bed you know i don't get to just clock out and go to bed you don't get to just clock out and go to bed like we're we have you know And it's not like you're out here playing a victim narrative, which is another thing that I hate because obviously we come on here, we talk a lot of shit. So it's like, and we know what we're going to get and we know we we understand that it's part of the job and that we're going to get it. And it's like, we accept it. We get it. We know that this is part of it. We talk shit. You talk shit. It's all good. But like, we can feel a type of like, we can feel like, oh, I bet maybe this comment today hit me bad. I'm not saying poor me, but I'm just saying like, yeah, I can be annoyed about it. I can be frustrated. Yeah. I'm allowed to have a moment. And then the next morning I'm going to wake up, I'm going to blow up my hair and I'm going to look like a hot bitch and I'm going to come and host my show. But we have human moments, you know, because I also yeah. hate that when when people come on and like, oh my God, my mental, I need to take a week off of Instagram because it's too much for me, you guys. I know that it's, and it's always like the most, I feel like some of the most controversial people do that as well. And it's all, it's often so manipulative too. I mean, I, again, like I've seen, 
people like reality stars, say like here in Australia that I know, and I've I've seen people do all of the the manipulative, like I've messaged with reality stars where they're like, oh, I'm going to say this and then people will feel sorry for me yeah. and it'll deflect from this. Like it's yeah. all a game, like people buy into it, but it's like a lot of that stuff. It's like, it's all strategy. You know, they're all playing survivor yeah. all the time. That's really what it is. And I, yeah. And we can see through it because we can see behind the curtain. Like I always tell people, I'm like, I've been, you know, I've been down the yellow brick road. I've seen behind the curtain. I've seen Oz. He's not that cute. Let's not, you know. Let's not swipe (laughs) right on Tinder. Um, Okay, let's talk about New York. Real Houses in New York. Ebony, um, she recently did an interview where she basically said that her and Leah aren't actual friends because that's been a topic of conversation because Ebony did, I think it was at the Diamonds and Rosé book launch party and she was with Bryce Sanders and they asked her if she had talked to Ebony recently and she was like, no, she's been traveling. I haven't really talked to her, but you know, we're, you know, we just, we haven't talked in a minute. And so Ebony's come out and she's now like, well, we're only, we're really only friendly colleagues. We're not actual friends. And so my biggest question when it comes to all of this, and I think people are finally starting to see through Ebony, where I tried to give her a lot of grace at the beginning. And then as the season went on, I'm like, all right, my grace is weighing thin. And now I'm just like, you're talking to the press and you're leaking shit to the press. Like now it's obvious. Um, Where do you think we go with New York? I mean, I feel like Bravo's in a tough position because it's like, do they let go of Ebony? Um, I feel like if there's a parting ways with Ebony, she's going to cause a stir regardless that like, I don't even know what we do with New York. Okay, so at first I kind of thought, look, they're not going to be able to get rid of Ebony because it's going to look like you're firing the first black housewife and that there was racism. And then Ebony is probably going to do what NeNe Leakes did, which was sort of launch a, you know, a campaign against Andy and the network. But Ebony's much smarter than NeNe and has a legal background and everything. So she's probably going to execute it a lot better than NeNe did. Yeah. So that's what I, you know, she was probably more dangerous than NeNe because NeNe was sort of just all over the place. NeNe who's now crawled back and despite saying the network was discriminatory towards her and racist, despite her being on Real Housewives of Atlanta where none of her other cast members came out and backed up her allegations. And now NeNe's like, well, I would, I would come back to Real Housewives of Atlanta. I know. It just, I mean, it just shows a, shit. If it was truly a hostile work environment, you wouldn't be like, well, I would consider coming back. Like, come on. It was very obvious what that was. And a lot of people didn't take Nini's side, but then it's like, I, you know, I get called racist and stuff for calling out Ebony, but it's like, you know, the, the logic when they call me out about Ebony is like, you've got to believe, like, believe all black. If they say it, that it's racism, it's racism. But I'm like, but Nini said that it was. And then obviously she was full of shit. So just because someone says that something is something doesn't mean that it is. I mean, Billy Lee, I felt like did that on Vanderpump Rules when she kept trying to call everyone transphobic. It's like no one was transphobic to you, Billy Lee. Like you were just a fucking like hot mess. I mean, she. I remember when she came out and she said that Jax, I mean, I know people have their problems with Jax, right? But she said Jax was, you know, transphobic and didn't want to film with her. And it's like. If you watch the show, Jax was like the first person that filmed with her. That that was actually like her friend on the show. So, you know, yeah, there's just because someone says something doesn't mean it's true. There's a difference between somebody intentionally not wanting to film with you because you're trans and somebody not wanting to film with you because of your personality. Because you're an asshole. Yeah. And that's the distinction. And the hard part is it's like 
you know, when you say those things, like there is weight to it. Like I was going back and forth with somebody in the DMs about Rena and about how Garcelle said that um, at the reunion, Garcelle brought up the or the insinuation, not an accusation, but the insinuation. She was like, I heard that you had said that this is why we shouldn't have like black people on the show. And I'm like, but you have like you heard that from who? And then she wouldn't say where it was. She wouldn't provide any receipts. She wouldn't provide any other details other than I heard this from somebody somewhere at some point, which was very ambiguous. And then, you know, this person's like, well, Lisa Wren is a racist because she said this about, I was like, but but th- there was no substance or no yeah, receipt it? like who's like there was no substance behind the accusation and then the person's like you know what you're right I didn't even think about that and I was like but that's the thing is most people don't think about it they don't th- look into it they just believe it at face value and then all of the sudden you know that becomes the narrative and that's what becomes so dangerous because then people throw out these really big terms like transphobic and racist and sometimes that's not the reality you know, but it's a very easy way to discredit somebody. Well, think about all the times that Rina got on trouble, got got in trouble on that show for opening her big mouth and saying something that was exaggerated or that she couldn't fully back up, especially in her earlier seasons. Yeah. That's kind of like was her thing. You know, she's close to death, like these big sweeping yeah. statements. And yeah. then people like, well, you know, she has Munchausen, like, and she gets held accountable for that. The same rule should apply to Garcelle. The same rule should apply to Sutton because they called fucking Sutton on that at the reunion when yeah. Erica's like, well, who did you hear this ru- this from that you put out on the show? And Sutton's like, I don't know, it was a rumor. About, like, yeah, about the lawyer. Yeah, she said that she heard that there was a lawyer that left Girardi Keys because his wife had become keen to all of the, the shady business dealings. And then she's like, well, I don't know who that person was. I don't have a number. I don't have a name. I don't know. It was just a rumor that I happen to hear and it's like if you're going to bring up a rumor there needs to be substance to it that way you know you are on a bigger platform that like you need to have some credibility to it otherwise it then don't bring it up because when you put you that out there just, you can't you can't just be throwing these things out there without being able to back it up and people should have been more pissed at Garcelle for that and more pissed at Sutton for that like they actually should have both got back clash for well, that but of course they didn't but they're the, the other thing babes. too okay but now that we've brought up Sutton Sutton literally said on the show, I don't see color. And we so quickly brushed that off and were like, and forgave her. And like, you know, here we are crucifying Rinna because of something Garcelle heard from somebody somewhere at some point. But yet you literally have footage of Crystal and Gar- and Sutton going back and forth. And Sutton's like, well, I don't see color. I am that person. I don't see color. You have Kathy Hilton, who's like my friend, Michael Jackson, said that he doesn't see color and I don't see color. But yet, you know, we just we pick and choose who we want to rip apart. You know what I yeah, mean? Based who on we who wanna, we like on the who show. Who we like. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Because so Kathy Hilton never issued a statement saying, I, you know, forgive me for saying I don't see color. You know, please, I, you know, I, you know, heard, heard Heather Thompson's statement on Watch What Happens Live. We didn't oh, get God. that moment, you know? <laughs> the so what? Thompson, that was the funniest <laughs> yeah, Heather Thompson's statement. Was- but look, back, back to Ebony. Uh, yeah, back to okay, Ebony. Okay, where was I? Yeah, so originally I go? thought they're not going to fire Ebony because of this. But now I'm like, she's clearly leaking to the press. Like some of these stories that you read especially say so this is annoying going i am working media i work media but i'm like i know how to like read these stories and kind of get an idea of yeah who they came from i'm not saying i factually know that they're coming from ebony but there's some in there like there was one 
I just read in Us Weekly before we recorded where, which we'll get to about the investigation into Ramona's alleged racist comment, but there was a source quote in there going, oh, Ebony wasn't happy with how the investigation went down. I'm like, that quote came from Ebony. I'm telling you, I'll bet my fucking life on it because of just the way it was written and everything. Like they've re- they've clearly reached out to Ebony for a comment. Ebony's gone, well, I'm not really supposed to be talking about this because it's a in- private investigation in Bravo. So here it is off the record. Like, so she's out here leaking to the press clearly. Also, she has no fucking friends left on the show. If we're going by the comments that her and Leah, I mean, it's very passive aggressive. Leah and Ebony, it's like they both, they don't want to say it explicitly but they're clearly not talking you can read between the lines uh so she's not friends with anyone on the show and traditionally if you don't have an organic connection to anyone if you're on an island as andy says you're out like they got rid of brandy glanville yeah i was was just gonna say that the biggest stars on the show and she actually still was friendly with yolanda but it like wasn't enough to keep her on kim she was friendly with yolanda and kim who were both full-time cast members at the at the time yeah and Ebony has no one on there. And look, if you're a big, like if you're a big star, like a Lisa Vanderpump or a Teresa, they will, even if you're on the fucking island, look, they know that your ratings, they know that you're good for the show. So then they're going to cast someone as your friend. Like when they cast Dorit, Dorit came in to be LVP's little sidekick because LVP had had a bad season. Like they do do that, but Ebony, you're not Teresa, you're not Lisa Vanderpump, you're not Bethany Frankel, you just came off of like the worst received season of New York ever, which was largely your fault. Um, You know, there was a lot of factors, I will be fair, there was a lot of factors that made that season bad, like obviously the COVID and everything, but I'm saying I think Ebony was like 50% of what was wrong with it. And then the other 50 is like other varying factors. So how can you, how can she come back to the show with no friends on there? It doesn't make sense. But it's not even just not having friends with anybody on the cast. It's truly tarnished, unrepairable relationships with the women on the show. She, Her relationship with Luann is done. Her relationship with Ramona is done. Now that she's coming for Ebony in the press, that relationship, I'm sure, is done. Who's left? Sonia? I mean, Sonia's not even a strong enough character to get a full-time Apple next season. I don't I mean Sonia. I've talked about this many times. I cannot believe Sonia stayed full time for as long as she has. But the thing with Sonia is, even, even say, look, I don't know what Ebony and Sonia's relationship is. Maybe they are friendly, but at the end of the day, like Sonia knows how to play the game, and Sonia's yeah. going to go over to Team Luann and Ramona, and they're going to stick together as like a Trace Amigas as the OGs, yeah. and negotiate that way like at, you know she's never Sonia's allegiance is never going to yeah. be with you Ebony even if you're getting along with her as dumb of a reality star as Sonia plays she's a lot smarter than people re- she plays up the ditzy character because it plays well on the show now yeah. I think it's it's overdone but like she's a lot smarter than I think people realize yeah she is uh well I interviewed her once for uh my day job and she was at like a health retreat and she was literally so together, like not outrageous in the slightest, so fucking like serious and sober and clear headed. And it's like, clearly when you start filming the season, you just start drinking and doing your Lucille ball act and, you know, peeing in the bushes and everything you'll do anything, but she needs to go. But, um, I'm sure that, look, I think they're casting Beverly Hill. Oh, sorry, New York. I think they're figuring it out. I think it's on a little bit of a breather like OC was. So some people are like, oh, are they going to cancel it? Like, they're not going to cancel New York. Like, it's iconic. You know, it's not Dallas where you can just toss it. Like, no one gives a fuck about Dallas. Like, 
they're not cancelling New York. I would be shocked. I mean, if anything, they're adding, like they're adding more franchises on now with um, fucking Dubai and Miami and stuff because they want to have all this content for Peacock. So it's going to come back. I don't know what the cast is going to look like. I don't think Dorinda will be back yet. I mean, I think they would have to be really desperate to bring Dorinda back. It would have to be like, fuck, we don't know where to go. Because I think that when they give housewives a breather from the show they like it to be longer they don't want it to just be a one season break they want it to be like a bethany break or a heather dubrow a dubrow break right. where it you really miss that really person it's a big them. deal when yeah when they return so i don't know there's rumors of tinsley i've heard that they want tinsley but tinsley i mean tinsley doesn't live in new york like i think she lives in chicago and still um so they're looking at that. I'm sure they're casting all. I'm, I'm they're probably moving all the chess pieces and just trying to figure it out. But Ebony's got to go. I mean, the sh- that show the show is over if Ebony comes back because she's just one of the worst castings ever, and she's so inauthentic. And I mean, even Bashawn didn't like her. Did you see the recent yeah. tweets from Bashawn? No. What did they say? So one of uh, my followers uh, had tweeted Bashawn going. Uh, I can't remember what it was verbatim, but it was something along the lines of like, you know, we could, I could see this follower of mine, she's black. And she was like, I could see what Ebony was doing. She wanted to be the only black girl on the show and she excluded you and stuff. And like Bashawn confirmed that like in the responses and basically that Ebony didn't have her back and wasn't there for her. And I mean, we saw on the show when Ebony didn't invite her to black Shabbat, which that was the was craziest smart. part when when she was like, Bershawn's like, what's going on? And she's like, oh, COVID made it full. I'm like, you're having Black Shabbat and the only other Black cast member on this show you're not inviting, but you're inviting all these other white women that you know aren't going to understand or fully appreciate the magnitude of why this is so important. But it's because are you really doing this to... Teach, like what like what's the intention behind it because now it just feels like a moment because i mean production would allow bershawn to attend Absolutely. you're the one that's inc- excluding her and now it's caught on camera and they had leah on there on fucking facetime so yeah. if leah could facetime into the black shabbat like bershawn could have covert rules or not so you clearly just didn't want bershawn there and I mean, if Bashawn was better at the show, because I don't, I really enjoyed Bashawn. I hope she's back in some capacity, but I don't know how good she was at at the show because I think she was a little put on at times. But I think if she was better at the show, she would have made that into an issue because the audience would have been on her side. She'd come after Ebony and said, why did you exclude me from Black Shabbat? The audience would have gone on to Bashawn's side. Yeah. But, um, Bashawn is so, if you look at her interviews, she's so positive all the time that yeah. I don't think she really likes to get out there and sling mud at people. Like even she Sonia, to- who she clearly had like a physical altercation with, she doesn't trash in the media. But I wish Bashawn would come out and give the, the real tea of behind the scenes in Ebony because that would be juicy. Bashawn needs to take a page out of Ebony's book and learn how to play that playbook. You know, learn how yep. to play the press, learn how to play the Bravo card. Because like Ebony is very good at, at playing that game. Um, and I think Bravo- She was. No, she, she was, was but she I was. think she's overdone it now. She's overdone now she's it. leaking so much as if Bravo is going to like that. 
they're going to be like, what the fuck? But I think Bravo's so scared of her retaliation and how she's going to try to spin it. Because you know she's going to do a full-on press tour. And she's going to try to say that, you know, it was racist and they favored Ramona over her and all of this. Like, she's going to play all the cheap shots. Because she knows Ramona is already such a polarizing character in all of this already. That she's going to take the easy shot to continue to paint that narrative. Well, she went on a podcast on Rachel Lindsay's Higher Learning podcast, and she said that there is an anti-Black racist on the cast. Now, we've since had the, which I think that Ebony leaked to TMZ about the investigation into Ramona apparently making a comment, and the comment was allegedly, this is why we can't have Black people on the show. So now that was investigated and found like Ramona was cleared of wrongdoing. So I've got to say, um, whatever you guys think of Ramona, the fact that they investigated, she was cleared of wrongdoing and it's still being aired out in the press. And now Ramona, like Ramona is going to be guilty of that in many people's minds, whether like, even though she's been cleared. And I honestly think like, 100% um, there's been times in workplaces for sure when there's been racist or homophobic comments or whatever and bosses, bosses have turned a blind eye and stuff. I'm sure it 100% happens. I know people report discrimination and it goes unheard, but I think where we are now with a company like Bravo and yeah. just in terms of PR, I truly believe no matter how valuable Ramona is for the show, if they had found something that she had, would have, had said, it would have something. been a Stasi Kristen moment and they would have yeah, turned it, it into a moment. Yeah. I, I mean, agree. in this climate, you can't, you couldn't keep, you can't keep her on. Like, I mean, imagine yeah. if they kept her on after she'd said that and then Ebony leaked that. And then it's like, they kept, they covered for Ramona. So yeah, I don't think that that should have been leaked out there. And I think that, um, and but the, I think Bravo is going to be pissed because that was meant to be behind closed doors. Yeah. And um, and the comment itself oh. to me, once I read it, I was like, that doesn't even sound like anything. Because what was the comment? This is why we shouldn't have black people on the show. That to me. And who knows what the context is. So, but that comment alone to me is so, I don't know if hyperbolic's the right word, but it's so extreme that it's like, who in this day and age would even say those words? You know, who would even feel that way and say that out loud? And I get it, Ramona doesn't always think things through, but that doesn't even sound like something, like Ramona, I'm sure, has said a lot of really stupid shit this year, you know, not including everything else prior, but, like, that doesn't sound like something that I would even think Ramona would say herself. Like, to me, it's just such a ridiculously over exaggerated comment in and of itself that I'm just like, I don't even, to me, that doesn't when I, when I saw it and I thought, look, if she did say this, I'm like the context of this may have been, um, they could have completely taken this out of context and she could have meant something like this, this isn't working. Cause look, we, um, Ebony came on the show and called them white supremacists and said there's white supremacists on the cast. She also falsely accused Luann of calling her an angry black woman, When she said you're an angry, she didn't say you're an angry black woman. So Ramona could have been like responding to that, like this isn't working, which obviously it's not an appropriate comment to make, but it's a bit different than saying like, we can't film with black people. You know what I mean? So, and I'm, yes. Who even knows? But at the end of the day, she was cleared of it. I believe that Bravo, if there had been like racism to, if she'd even said it at all, which they've said that there was no one knows it, if she said anything or not, and then to have it leaked out there. I mean, it was. 
There was a months-long investigation. They interviewed the producers, the crew members, the cast members, and they found no substance behind the allegation. Um, I mean, to me, that says something. And I know on one of the recent episodes on this show, I said Ramona was cleared of the allegations, and somebody was, like, coming at me in their comments. They're like, you can't say she was cleared of it because they just didn't find proof of it, but that doesn't mean that she was innocent of it. And I'm like, well, I didn't say she was innocent, but also... Is she guilty if they didn't find any evidence to support it? Like that's- exactly, and it was thorough. Like they did, they interviewed one of the TMZ reporter said on Twitter they interviewed like cast months, and crew and sat yeah, everyone. Yeah, it was a months long investigation, which was part of the reason they had to keep delaying the reunion is because they couldn't film the reunion until the investigation was complete, and they had to cross every T and dot every I. And if there's no look, we don't know the full story behind right. this, but if it's like there was no. Uh, of course ebony has the right to come and like raise issues yeah. so i'm not saying that but i'm like if i don't know if this was some like hearsay thing that has obviously never even happened and then it got to a point where you like couldn't even have a reunion for like the first time in the history of the franchise and now that's gonna annoy bravo for sure because then be like okay we couldn't even have a fucking reunion we missed out on money the you know from the ratings then the women they all get a big reunion paycheck yeah, especially the bonus the yeah do you think that those OGs are going to be endeared to Ebony now that now they've lost out on like 200 grand or whatever they were going to make for that reunion? Like, but the Ebony's thing is, on a real island. No, I agree. And the, But the other thing is I was thinking, well, what would happen if they brought Ebony back? And then I would imagine the OGs would be like, no, we're not doing the show. And they all would pull like a friend's move and walk collectively together. And then how would that play out in the press? It would make it look like they were being racist towards Ebony because they don't want to film with her because she's black. When the reality is if they brought Bershon in over over Ebony, all of the women I'm sure would be fine moving forward with Bershawn. It's just a personality issue and not necessarily directly related to the color of Ebony's skin. But it's more of the 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 behavior that Ebony has yeah. exhibited. Well, yeah, they liked Bashan, but another thing is as well that people don't like to acknowledge is that like Ramona especially, they were extra nice to Ebony because they didn't want to get called racist. Because right. the thing is that look, and she did Ebony's, throw out the white supremacist Eb- thing mid season. Oh, it was crazy. But the thing is, we know if you read the Diamonds and Rose book as well. So they, the New York women especially, seem to have a history of like icing out the new girls. They did it to like yeah. Kristen Takeman and and Heather, uh, and some Carol, yeah, yeah. Carol, like Cindy Barshop. They're known for that, like, and they're very territorial. And then. When Ebony came in, they were like bending over backwards because they knew how it would be perceived and they didn't want to look bad. And the thing is, if anyone else came in like Ebony, look, Ebony's young, she's beautiful, she's educated, she already had a media background and a following. So that is a threat. And then she came in there, like she ran the show. She came in, I'm going to educate you. I'm running classes to educate you. And they were kind of like eating shit for a while. Some of the women going like, yes, educate me. Oh, I didn't know that. And, but if anyone else came in with that attitude of like, here I am not only being a threat, but I'm like marking my territory and I'm going to educate you. Oh geez. They'll be like, get the fuck out of here. Like we've been on this show for like 10 plus years, but they like really tried extra with Ebony and people don't seem to kind of like acknowledge that. No, they didn't. Ebony, like even very like beyond the show, tried to play those cards where like, I remember when she posted the photo with crystal and she was like, the racists aren't going to get us down. And I'm just like, 
But we never saw Crystal exhibit, and Crystal has actually gotten the racist comments from people in her DMs. Like, she's actually faced that, but she's never played the game the way Ebony's played the game. And I also find it interesting that Ebony and Garcelle haven't gotten friendly, considering Ebony and Crystal have gotten pretty friendly. Or they did for that minute until I think Ebony used Crystal for that opportunity. Yeah, that's true. And I've really felt for Crystal with the racist backlash that she was getting because I think she's handled race better than anyone. In she this, really has. And she's like, taken so much shit for it. Yeah. And she's getting, she posts the messages. People are calling her like yeah. coronavirus and go back and make your dumplings. And it's like yeah. horrible. And it's like she, and why are you talking about race? It's like she didn't even come in there doing like an ebony and lecturing people and stuff. Like she brought up race when it was appropriate in the moment. And like she brought up when fucking Sutton had a Karen moment. Sutton turned yeah. into the biggest white fragility Karen you've ever seen going, I'm discriminated against for being a white Southerner. It's like, bitch, no, you're not. Shut the, shut the fuck up. And Crystal brought up race in that moment moment and was actually very when I had Crystal on my show I was like you were really um almost like too um forgiving with Sutton like you really because Sutton just was like just didn't seem to get it and And people um, glossed over that so fast the second Sutton started to question Erica they're like Sutton carried this season Sutton is the queen of Beverly Hills don't get rid of Sutton and I'm like y'all forgot how racist you thought she was at the beginning you know, like we very the double standards are insane to me. And then the other times Crystal brought up race was like, oh, this is my Chinese culture. I'm so proud of yeah. it or my family. Think, and it's like, that's all normal, like natural stuff that you would bring up. It's I not think, Ebony coming in with an agenda. No, I agree. I think Beverly Hills did it really well. And I've constantly like commended be- the way the Beverly Hills producers approached it because we had those moments that exposed us to culture with both Ebony and Garcelle because we had the dumplings night at, 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 or sorry, not Ebony, with Crystal and Garcelle. We had the dumplings night at Crystal's house we had the Haitian dinner at Garcelle's house. Like we had these moments where we were able to see culture and we were able to get that exposure and to learn about it without it being a teachable moment. It was just natural, which is how it is here in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, culture isn't something that we have to teach each other. Culture is just something that we're exposed to walking down the street. The diversity is so natural here that like nobody's trying to teach each other. This isn't the South where, you know, you need to lecture the Sutton on like what it means to be a person of color or a minority in America. Trust me. And I, you know, people try to throw the racist shit at me. And I'm just like, I am. I'm a double minority. I not only am I a person of color, but I'm also gay. Like, I trust me. I've I've hit it from from all the different angles. And I grew up in the hood of Los Angeles. Like I was in the melting pot, not the, the nice part of Los Angeles. But I, you know, I understand diversity and I understand what it means to be a minority in America, you know, so. I think Beverly Hills really did a good job of tackling those issues because it was the unfortunate part is it needs to be on a reality show. These things do need to be palatable in order for people to care. That's the unfortunate reality of the game that we're in, you know? And like everything on these shows, it just needs to feel real and organic. Like, you know, people in real life, in your day-to-day experience, people are not as divided and racist as it's portrayed in the media and on television and stuff like a lot of us are all getting along with like people of all different backgrounds right. and mixing and stuff. And then you look at the media and you would think that it's the it, we're in a, yeah. it's a completely, it's a completely different world. Um, and 
as well, people in real life don't walk around going, I'm going to teach you, I'm going to host a, um, host a dinner for you and assign you all a historical, you know, a historical black figure and then educate you. Like that doesn't even happen in real life. But, no. you know, I had said from the start, Ebony's using this as a platform to get a job on The View or something. And then what do you know, a few months later, she's like out campaigning for a job on The View. And I think she pissed off ABC. I don't know this for a fact or anything, but I just, there was a big story in the Daily Mail that, about how how Ebony was going around saying that she wants um Sunny Hostin's seat on the show and look I don't know how true this is or not but the interesting part about that article was that ABC didn't ignore it they actually commented and fully like backed up Sunny and everything and that gave me the impression that they were annoyed with Ebony yeah. because I think that under other circumstances they would ignore that and go this is rubbish like this is a nonsense tabloid article we're not going to give it any credibility by responding to it. And then the fact that they responded and I think it was someone had said to me, I don't know if it was Grant from Grant's Rants or something, but Ebony was like going out after she did her guest spot on The View. She was doing like interviews with like fucking whoever, like TMZ and stuff, like campaigning for the gig. And I think I'm sure it was Grant. Maybe it was. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but someone had said like, do you think ABC like that? Like they're, no. Out here testing out different people for the seats and Ebony's like acting like she's already got the job and like talking about it and going, oh, I can have the Roni cameras come and film me. And it's like, you don't ha- even have Roni, let alone the view. And you're acting like you've been hired for both. And it's, you're going to be filming it like Garcelle does on Beverly Hills. And it's like, what is this ego? What is going on? I think that pissed off ABC. Again, when I say like I work in media and I can like read between the lines of these things, Trust me, if ABC were like totally cool with Ebony, they would have ignored that article. They wouldn't have Have, given a statement like just backing up Sunny and like not saying anything about, you know what I mean? Like they didn't even say anything positive about Ebony. Well, because the thing between like ABC and Bravo, like they, like the reality is the view and Housewives aren't really that different, but they try to position themselves as very different types of shows. So ABC and The View don't want to fuck with that sort of reputation. And that's even though The View is combative and it's basically a reality show, just a reality show based on politics. You know what I mean? But they don't want to be associated with that type of catty behavior. You know, and so the fact that I think they did speak out because they wanted to distance themselves from that sort of, you know, caliber of entertainment television. Yeah. And look, I I don't want to keep just a whole bashing Ebony show, but I just think I think she was in a really good position at the beginning to just take this platform. And because she is, she's beautiful, she's intelligent and everything. And then I look at where we are now and I suspect i don't know for a fact again but i think she's fucked things up with the view and abc i think she's fucked things up with bravo um and yeah maybe there's maybe there's a reason she hasn't gotten further because you would think she is she's so beautiful she's so accomplished and everything wouldn't she you would think she would be on a bigger level but now i think she's I really no. I really liked Ebony coming into this season, and I really and because I liked her going into the season of New York, I tried to really go to bat for her at the beginning and be like, no, I I actually really like her. I think that you know maybe Roni isn't the best fit for her, but I think the View would be a good fit for. Like there were so many other like I tried to really give her the benefit of the doubt. Um, but yeah, I don't want this to become a total Bethany or not Bethany Ebony bashing. (laughs) Um, 
Speaking of bashing, though, Bethany's really bashed the show a lot, too. Yeah, I know. Um, Bethany is another one I used to love. And now I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I'm it's hard for me to get behind you now because it's like you're like, I don't want to be part of Diamonds and Rosé because that book is nothing but women tearing down other women. And then the next week on our podcast here, she is ripping apart the women. Like, I just I can't. With She's Bethany. so full of shit. The only reason that I like I agree with all the negative things people say about Bethany uh, and she has this insane ego. And the one thing that keeps me coming back to her, besides the fact she is great on the show, she's amazing reality TV. Like she's just hilarious, but her ego is kind of justified. Like she goes off on all these egotistical rants all the time, but it's like kind of everything she's saying is true about like the ratings are better. And, you know, I made this yeah. happen and like, she's <laughs> certainly not humble, but I'm like, well, she didn't lie. Yeah. Like she's pretty fucking phenomenal, but I've talked about this a lot. I may have talked about this with you in the past, but I feel like her career is definitely in a weird spot since she left New York. I kind of think she needed the show because that big shot, she's trying to act like the big shot wasn't like such a big deal now, but it's like you thought that was going to be a hit yeah. and you thought that you were like top dog because you had a show with HBO. And, it and totally she had the big production tanked. deal that also tanked. That, that fell through. Um, I don't think the podcast is doing as well as it it's not it's not a great podcast, honestly. Like the quality's it, not great. Her interview skills aren't as strong. Like, and she had a great radio show. And even on her talk show, she wasn't terrible, but for some reason she's really phoning it in with the podcast. I think because the podcast format is so less formal that she can be like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna come in my PJs and not wear any makeup and have my hair be a mess. But then it's like it doesn't work for her. I think her show, her, I think that the, it's a mistake when she does the interviews. Cause I know she wants to be like, I'm going to interview important business people and stuff, but it's like, we're actually listening for Bethany and the only good bits of the podcast are when she does her little solo rants yeah. at the start. Cause it's like, you're getting a Bethany confessional. So I feel like if she just, she had a co-host or an on-air producer and it was just like about her life and her thoughts on things and whatever she wanted. Like it would be a better show instead of like a lot of celebrities come out and they're like, I'm going to have conversations with, you know, important people in different areas of the media. It's like no one cares. Cause like everyone does that. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like there's a thousand shows. Lindsay Lohan's doing that. She got a podcast deal. She goes, I I'm going to have interviews with Kim Kardashian's with doing that as well with legal, with legal professionals. Yeah. I think that at this, you know, with these celebrity, um, these celebrity podcasts, I almost think that like they just need to think of it as an extension of their Instagram or something and just talk about their life of, and just do it for their fans. And people but, would and people would actually enjoy that. Yeah, their fans would enjoy it and just think of that because you know what? For most of them, you're not gonna have you're not gonna be the next Dax Shepherd or Joe Rogan or like Whitney Cummings either. You know what I mean? Like you're just you're not gonna be that. So just think of it as an extension of another thing to connect with your fans, but don't think that suddenly you're like Barbara Walters. Know your brand. Yeah. I mean, Bethany of all people should know that best. Know your brand. Well, her next book is a business book. She's really trying to build herself as this Gary V type of, you know, serial entrepreneur type of person. Well, why isn't she back on like Shark Tank? Like, I'm guessing they didn't want her because she would have taken that yeah, job. If she would have taken Shark Tank. Would had they offered it to her, I think she would have taken it. She was I not. She, she's smart enough to not turn that down. And that would be. I actually don't understand why they wouldn't give her that because 
she's like kind of great on that. Like, isn't that like perfect for her? So I don't fucking know. I mean, she's a shark and she's in the realm of business that I would have thought that would have been a very organic fit for her. For our, maybe it's a behind the scenes personality thing because I know people have said that yeah. she's not great to work with. Well, I've talked about this a lot as well, that with her, she was meant to launch this second skinny girl that she made a big deal about the big shot with Bethany. We're launching my new new wine. It's going to be the next skinny girl. You know, I changed the market with skinny girl and I'm about to do it again with my new wine. Then she had this random, this wine called Forever Young, which had already been out for years. So she had just bought a steak in it or something yeah. and it's some small little it's like a small wine what a, that, yeah whatever her original rosé brand was fell through because this forever young had not only been around for a few years but it wasn't a rosé it was a line of not very high quality wine to begin with and she kind of just bought into it and was like this is the wine now and she doesn't even like promote it now or anything. Or, no, or she was on it. Instagram drinking a different wine. Listen, yeah. Jock, do you ever see me fucking drinking a different wine? I don't even drink white wine or red wine. I only drink rosé now. I like vodka, but I only fucking drink rosé now because that's my brand. You go to bed with that shit. I go so to. I wake up and it. put it in my Lucky Charms gluten-free cereal, Jock. Well, she always knew to do that with the skinny girl. And then when she didn't do it with the forever young, it's like, okay, clearly this is like bullshit. So I don't know what's going on with her. I mean, she needs to, she needs to go back to the housewives in New York, even though her ego is too big now and she's trashed the show so much. So I almost wonder how could you even go back? But like, it's where she belongs. She belongs on that show. Even if she took a friend role. Even if we look at the big shot, the most captivating moments of that show were when we got to see her behind the scenes her personality talking with her staff or talking with you know her quote-unquote staff you know because carol says that she doesn't have a real as as carol said and not all diamonds and rosé she doesn't have a real business she has a bunch of licensing deals and a a skinny girl museum that was my favorite quote in that whole chapter of of new york where she doesn't have a real business it's just a bunch of licensing deals and she has two assistants and a skinny girl museum that they work out of um she would have she would be so much smarter if even if she doesn't want to come back to New York full time if she just went on as a friend for just to have or bring be back out Bethany be ever after. Why doesn't she do that? Like I think they she doesn't green like that. I don't, I don't think, think well not only that but I don't think she wants to expose her personal life anymore. Um but that's what pe- that's where that's her lane. That's where she's the strongest. That's where she shines the brightest. Yeah, we 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 love her business stuff, but like we're watching for her personality. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so we want to yeah. know that she's a, a successful businesswoman, but we don't want to know about the inner workings of her business. We just want to <laughs> know that it exists, especially if it's just licensing deals. Like, it's not that interesting. I so know. that's a Carol really blaster, but it's true. Aside from Skinny Girl, everything else has been just a licensing deal. She has no manufacturer. She has no like you know, office or like corporate offices. Like she doesn't have any of that because the skinny girl brand is really just signing it off onto other people to fulfill those deals for her. Carol was amazing in that book. Like her performance. I was like, where was this Carol on the show? Like, here's the thing. Is the book misogynistic and does it have, is it about women tearing down other women? Fuck yes, it's about women tearing down other women. That's the reality of it. But it's such a shit show that's actually kind of enjoyable to read. I'm literally captivated with every single page of that book. 
Well, no one put words in their mouth. Like they no, chose yeah. to tear each other down. That's why yeah. I, I talked about this, I think, on my last episode. I'm like, I hate the um, stigma that Andy Cohen always gets for like you're a misogynist and yeah. you profit from women tearing down women. It's like, honey, no one gave these women a script. They said, do you want to be on this show? They yeah. performed like this so they can get their fucking like wine deals and get famous and get Instagram followers and everything. So it's like if the, these women are choosing to behave like this. So yeah. I kind of reject that criticism of Andy Cohen all the time, that he's a misogynist. And, the th- and I think Andy really believes that he's created a show about women, about successful women showing off their businesses and lifestyles. I mean, I think that's a little, you know, yeah. rose colored glasses, but, um, but I, I agree. I think, you know, the women, willingly go into this and want to go into this and know that they're signing up to be torn down. And the the other sense of the responsibility needs to fall on the audience that continues to give them that platform. Um, yeah, I just, we love it and we love to shit on it. And, you know, yeah, tis what it is, Jacques. Yeah, it's also, it's not, by the way, when people say it's a show about successful women or whatever, I also hate when people still try to say, oh, it's a sociological experiment. It's like, well, maybe in OC seasons, like one, two, and three, but it's- Not anymore. It's, yeah, it's just a very produced show about, like, people fighting with each. It's just a soap opera. Like, don't try to over-intellectualize it, okay? No, yeah, it's it's a reality soap opera is really what it is. And the thing is, our lens of, like, reality stars are so different from the way we view soap opera characters where to me I look at them the same way you know what I mean like I don't need them to be perfect because I know a villain is a villain and they're gonna do bad things you know yeah we need to shift our mind I think with how we look at these shows agreed um okay Jacques thank you for chatting with me today I know there were a ton of a ton of other topics that we're we were gonna get to but I think we had a really good important conversation that we'll probably get dragged on Twitter for so, oh my god, we, the the racist white gays like that's what <laughs> we're that's what they always getting. tell me. I'm like, I'm not even fucking white. Like you know, know. my hair isn't even natural. <laughs> I joke that I'm naturally platinum blonde, but like my hair isn't even naturally platinum. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, we're gonna get dragged, but whatever. The, I've been learned to embrace it now. I don't thing, give a shit. So the thing is, I think when you know that you're not that, it doesn't affect you. You know, like what? Yeah. Like I know what I like. Listen, I know I already know I'm on Erica's payroll. I'm the biggest Erica Jane fan. Um, you know, it's just it's so interesting to to listen to the criticism because half of them are like oh my god your face looks so good and the other ones are like oh your face looks yellow or oh you're so sweet and so fair and unbiased and oh you're such an erica fan and and you're so you know i just it's it's polar opposites and at the end of the day i just remind myself that any sort of criticism or feedback is really just coming from the sender And if they feel good about themselves, they'll send positivity. And if they feel shitty about their lives, they're going to send out nastiness. And or at least just come up with some better insults. Come up with some better ones because you're on Erica's payroll and you're racist or like kind of tired. Like you can do better than that. So come on. Come at me with something that's going to hurt me. Like I'm sure you can think of something. (laughs) Yeah. I'm trying to think of the last time I was really hurt by a mean comment. I don't think. What was it today that my glasses were too big? I just like they're so dumb. They are not. They look good. They're meant to. It's meant to be an oversized like seventies look. Yes, that's. I was going for the Rinna on Watch What Happens Live sort of moment and vibe. 
I love I fucking love her fashion, by the way. I love her style. I think she's one of the best dressed housewives, which I always Not Doree. I love Doree. Oh, I hate Dorit's style. I think it's gotten a little bit better this last season, but it feels so artificial and I love Kyle's style. But- no, I don't like Kyle. Kyle, ste- Kyle has stepped it up from the Moomoo's when it was the Moomoo vibe and her target, you know, dresses in season one. And that's not me shading I, her. She literally said in season two, she's like, my dress is from Target. When Dana Wilk is like $25,000 sunglasses. And she's like, Target. I think Kyle's style is bad. I think Dorit's is like way too low. I don't like logos splashed all over someone. I think it's so tacky. I think Garcelle has horrible style. Yeah, Garcelle's um, not great. The, those are all bad. Sutton's I love is Lisa the Ren- worst. Sutton has the worst style of all of them. Oh, you know what, though? my th- Okay, Sutton's style is terrible, but I also um, like people that kind of have their own style. Yeah, that's like I'll a bit give her different, that. A bit quirky. So... Even though it's bad, I'm like, I enjoy it because she's doing something different. And this is obviously like kind of an expression of her. And I love Lisa Rinna's because I think Lisa Rinna doesn't need to be overdressed all the time. Like she can come in with just a really casual, like some leggings and she might throw in a little, a little splash of an animal print. But then when it's time for an event, she can go out with something a little wackier and like overdressed, but she overdresses appropriately for like when there's an event, when that's when she does something wacky. Whereas Dorit, overdresses for everything where it doesn't feel natural. I hate when people do that. Like there was this scene, sorry, now I'm just ranting really quickly. This scene that it drove me crazy on the last season of Beverly Hills when they were filming a home scene with Dorit and Garcelle and Garcelle came down the stairs in this like whole Chanel thing and everything. Like it was like all these pearls. It was so overdone. I'm like, you're filming just like a chat at home, like about yeah. goldfish. Like you don't need to like be yeah. done up like you're at the red carpet event. So I just like a more, you know, just realistic thing. I get very into See, their, their fashion. Oh, I love Crystal style. I love Crystal style. Stated. I think the reason I love Dorit is because I, though I'm not as tacky as Dorit with all the labels, I am. I'm like that. I will be fully dressed doing dishes in my kitchen. I'm literally taping my show right now with a full on, you know, turtleneck and glasses right now, Jacques. I love being too, you know, too overdressed all of the time. I'm like zero to 100. Like if I've got to go out somewhere, I'm like full, like it's crazy. But then when I'm just like every day, I'm like literally just like fucking slides and like sweatpants and stuff. See, and I I won't even wear sweatpants to throw out my trash. I have to be (laughs) fully done up to walk out my apartment and throw out my trash. I'm getting into the whole like athleisure thing because it's just so comfortable. I just want to be comfortable all the time. And you know what? I put on weight over the pandemic and I'm like, I'm not wearing tight because my other shirts were tight. I'm like, I'm getting these like loose shirts like this, right? And now I've gotten accustomed to them because they're so comfortable. So now I'm just in like baggy things. I've got a Pratt Daddy Crystal for oh, man, I love I it. wear. And it's just my vibe now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, where can people listen to your podcast, Unpopular? It's unpopular with Jacques Peterson. Uh, follow me on social media. So Instagram and Twitter at unpopularjp. And then the link is in the bio there. Uh, I talk obviously a lot of Bravo stuff. I talk about other topics too. Um, very politically incorrect, very unfiltered. I mean, I'm gearing up for my next episode, which I'm going to get cancelled for because I'm going to defend Dave Portnoy from Barstool Sports oh, no. and break down the, the Me Too article about him and I know that I'm just going to get fucking destroyed for that because I've been looking at Twitter and people are very angry at him but I have a take on that so 
that's the kind of stuff you get from my show. So tune in. See, Twitter is not reality, though. Twitter is like a loud group of people that just don't know, that have no other, you know, mission in life other than to be outraged about shit. I've learned that. Twitter and the real world are not even, you know, parallel to each other. Um, Thank you, Jacques, for coming on my show. Everybody needs to go and listen to Unpopular. I've been on the show. We've done Erica Breakdowns. I was just on Jacques' Patreon, so go and subscribe to that. Give him your money. He doesn't have an OnlyFans, but he does have a Patreon, so go and support that. Um, you know what's really funny is in my Instagram live, I told people about how, like, I'm not afraid to send somebody a nude. So this guy slid into my DMs, and he's like, so where do I get this nude? And I sent it. I literally sent him a nude. I, like, I just, at this point, I don't give a fuck. Um, I don't know why I brought that up. I guess because I was joking about your OnlyFans that doesn't exist yet. Um, but you and I have said I Adam nudes a lot too so I think it's a gay thing I think gays don't give a fuck <laughs> I don't give like... a like leak it on Twitter what the fuck do I care like what do I care um, if you appreciate it like yeah let's go for it slide into my DMs at Just Plain Zach or follow the show at No Filter with Zach be sure to get some No Filter Rosé at NoFilterWine.com the Potomac cans are only available for a limited time just to stock up for the reunion so go to NoFilterWine.com and be sure to, to stock up um, if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe button. If you're listening on iTunes, give me a five-star review because I love that validation. All right, guys. Love you. Mean it. Bye.